the, the messages communicated by angels to some of the prominent characters of Christmas. I'm going to try to do that well today as we look at the story of Joseph and the angelic message that he received. I think it's easy for us, though, to underestimate how human these folk were who were receiving these messages. That these were very normal people. Though part of God's chosen people primarily, especially Mary and Joseph, these were people in many ways like you and like me, with lives and plans and hopes and dreams laid out, who were given an opportunity to participate in the plan of eternal salvation. Part of what makes us human is that we all have a background. We all have a background that extends even beyond or before our own existence. Matthew chapter 1 opens up with a genealogy that lays out very intentionally for the purposes of the gospel writer's intended audience who Joseph was, and as a result, who Jesus was and who those two were connected to. I was trying to think of the best way to help make that make sense. Reading a list of names is not overly exciting, is it? (laughs) Unless, unless those are names of people related to you. That's why the various uh, online services or mail-in services and, and genealogical research, especially, I think, probably with the Internet and, and you know, some of the, uh, the way that's made it easier to conduct that sort of research has, has taken off to what is no doubt a multi-million dollar industry at, at this point. But I was thinking about my own life. I was thinking about all that had to happen, all of the decisions that had to be made well before I was even a thought for me to be here today. And if it's true of me, it's true of you. The same was true of Joseph, that there had been these generations of people, some who walked very faithfully with God, others who wandered, Some who intended to walk very faithfully with God, but found themselves wandering. And so, if you'll indulge me a little bit, this will be something of of a more personal message about my own extended family than I typically give. But I think it fits well in remembering that each of us has been created for the time that we live in uniquely crafted with an opportunity to respond to the announcement that Jesus is coming. Hear these words from Matthew 1, beginning with the 18... uh, I'll see. I think my number up there is wrong at the top. Sorry about that. My, My book is wrong, too. That should be... It should be Matthew 1.18. The words are right, but the heading is incorrect. 
Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his, he took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Surely as Joseph laid down, to go to sleep prior to the angelic visitation, he had one of those moments we've all had from time to time. Where the circumstances of life come together in a way that we did not expect, or when difficulties arise in a way that we had not planned for, or maybe when something great happens. But we have those moments in time when we ask ourselves, how in the world did I end up in this situation with this set of circumstances? Have you ever stopped to think of all of the deliberate decisions and seemingly chance circumstances that significantly impacted your existence and the direction of your own life? I did a little individual research regarding this this week. And maybe me exploring mine will help you consider yours as well. These are my paternal great-grandparents. Lex and Florence Watley. Both of them grew up in the piney woods of East Texas, almost on the border of Louisiana. My dad explained to me that he believes that they met and kind of grew up going to the same school. They were married for 70 plus years and had eight children, one of whom was named Jean Watley. The other couple in that picture, and I wish we had a picture of them together, but we don't. Thomas and Mabel Clark. They both had roots in Hartman, Colorado. Currently, Hartman is a town of 56 people in southeastern Colorado. In that area, they met one night at what is called a box supper auction. Does anybody know what? Dimple explained to me the finer points of a box supper auction. My uncle gave me the term, and I didn't get a chance to ask him what it meant. Okay. 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 So, Tom, thank you. Tom saw Mabel's box of fried chicken. 
And he bid on it. And he won it. And it was so good, he won her too, eventually, huh? <laughs> Interestingly, though they lived in southeast Colorado, their marriage certificate, for reasons that no one knows for sure as to the, uh, as to the precise rationale, says Emporia, Kansas. No one knows why they married in Emporia. There's speculation that they eloped, which was not exactly common around 1915. But that's when they were married. God gave them two sons, one of whom was Ernie Clark. Back to Joseph. What must have been racing through his mind as he prepared to lay down that night? We don't have the specific conversation that occurred between the betrothed couple before the angelic visitation, but we can imagine the gist of it, can't we? At that point, Joseph was likely preparing the home that he and Mary would occupy. Maybe it was nearly complete. Maybe the conversation took place in the home. Mary comes to him and provides what? to Joseph's ears must have been the most unlikely, implausible story anyone could possibly conjure up. She was pregnant. Devastating news to her soon-to-be husband. But, she explained, it was by the power of the Holy Spirit. When those words proceeded from her mouth, Joseph probably didn't know whether to laugh or cry. The law gave him the right, in those circumstances, to have her put to death. Out of love and the desire to protect her, though, he opted against that and was going to end things between them quietly. The timing, the apparentness of her pregnancy, the baby who would arrive soon would make things clear in time. He would be dishonored in the eyes of their friends and family and members of the village, with the thought being that he was somehow in her mind or in her eyes deficient and she went elsewhere than to him. But he was willing to take on that dishonor because of his love for her, though ending their relationship. It was, with, it was with this plan in mind that he went to sleep. I wonder as he laid down, purely speculative, but I wonder as he laid down if, if maybe his thoughts wandered to stories of his ancestors. The list given in the opening verses of Matthew's gospel is something of a who's who. There's a good mix of faithfulness and scandal in his family lineage. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob it begins with. And then it gets a little murky, although those three had their own murkiness too, didn't they? Tamar, Rahab, Boaz, and all of the various um, circumstances that those and others within the group found themselves in from time to time. 
I gave you my paternal grandparents, great-grandparents. These are my maternal great-grandparents. Marie and Elmer Heidner on the your right side of the slide. In 1919, they intended to be married in Sisseton, South Dakota on January 1st. They get a lot of snow in Sisseton, South Dakota. And they did on New Year's Eve in 1919. And they, the soon-to-be married couple, their best man and their maid of honor were all snowed in at their various homes. And so they had to delay it by one day. And they were married on January 2nd. My great-grandpa helped on the farm owned by his new wife's parents, a farm they had homesteaded, and eventually he, Elmer, bought out his in-laws and took over the farm. They had a daughter and a son. The son they named Daryl Heidner. They were married in 1919 and celebrated 51 years of marriage. Bessie and Alan Wing. These were the folks I was most excited to tell you about, to be honest with you. Although some of the details of how they met, I know the least about. The reason I was excited to tell you about them is because they lived at 1427 South 37th. I virtually passed that house on my way to church this morning. It's right across from the Stanley grade school. They are the ones who provide me the deepest roots in Kansas City, Kansas, and specifically in this portion of Kansas City, Kansas. While details are sparse in regard to exactly how they met, my mom did tell me that there are records of their parents in KCK way back in the 1880s. These four, Kansas City, Kansas, Sisseton, South Dakota, Far East Texas, Southeast Colorado, represent my four sets of great-grandparents. All who made decisions. All who had children, who of course became my grandparents, all who had various circumstances of life, some easier than others, and choices that had to be made in terms of how they would respond in the way that God was leading. As Joseph the carpenter, who thought until that day he had his life pretty well planned out, drifted off to sleep, the surprise of his life awaited him. He thought he'd had it he processed things and, and had made his decision. Goes to sleep. And the angel visits. The essence of his message is familiar. It begins very familiar, uh, familiarly. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Take Mary as your wife. It's interesting that his lineage is mentioned as who he is, huh? This is his identifying mark. Joseph, remember from whence you came. Joseph, son of David, the one who was chosen as the second king of God's people. 
The one who has promised that his kingdom would continue on. Joseph was a direct descendant, though many generations back, of King David. There's an intentional reference to the generations who have come before him. A people, though imperfect, who tried to walk faithfully with God during their time. Others mentioned within the genealogy that precedes this passage, David, Solomon, Jehoshaphat, some better known than others. And now his role in the history of salvation had to be responded to. How in the world did I get here? He must have thought. Here's my next generation. <coughs> Ernie Clark grew up in that small town in southeast Colorado. Jean Watley lived in East Texas. She went to Denison, Texas after graduating high school to live with her older sister. This would have been the early 1940s. You know what was going on in the world in the early 1940s. Ernie Clark knew what was going on in the world in the early 1940s. And he was in Texas because the world was at war and service to his country had taken him from Colorado to Texas to be trained as a pilot. He went to a USO dance in Denison, Texas. I don't know how many miles it is from Hartman, Colorado to Denison, Texas. It's a lot. But there was a girl there who lived in East Texas who was in Denison. And her name was Jean. They met that night. They were only able to see each other on weekends, but that was enough. Six weeks later, without either one meeting the other's family, they were married in Denison. In fact, there is a telegram of some sort that my Aunt Linda has of word from my papa, Ernie, to his parents announcing that he was married. <laughs> Thought it was a good time to let mom and dad know. Eventually, they'd have three children, the middle of which was John Clark. Daryl Heidner grew up on that farm in South Dakota. And Betty Wing lived right down the street from us on 37th Street. The problem from, for the South Dakota farm boy was that he was highly allergic to grain dust. He went to telegraphy school in Minneapolis with plans to go to work for the Santa Fe Railroad. And when he finished the course, they offered him a position in either Arizona or Kansas City. Kansas City was closer to South Dakota, so he came to Kansas City. They put him on a train, and he got off at Union Station, having never been in any place like that before. He lived in a rented bedroom of a widowed conductor's wife and just went to work. In that office where he worked was an older man named Alan Wing who took pity on the young man who was being showing signs of homesick, and he invited him to church, Baptist church. Daryl grew up Lutheran, invited him to a Baptist church and then home to eat lunch, and Daryl met Betty. That occurred in July of 1947, and they were married June of 1948. Two years later, 
Ruth Heidner was born. Maybe partially inspired by the recording of dreams his ancestors had and surely encouraged by the reminder from the angel of the Lord that his spiritual ancestors had prophesied about this baby, Joseph acted obediently. There was much about the message being given that he could not possibly have completely or fully understood. But he was entrusted with protecting and providing for this infant Messiah during his earthly days, especially early on. And when he woke up, like Mary, he acted in faithful obedience. How the events of his life had led to that point, he likely couldn't even fully comprehend. But just the next step awaited him and called for a response. So buoyed by the faith of his ancestors, he did as the Lord commanded. Eventually, Daryl and Betty Heidner ended up in the Omaha area, and Ernie and Jean Clark were, were near Wichita. Kansas City is about the halfway point between those two cities. And it was there at Central Baptist Theological Seminary that John Clark and Ruth Heidner became acquainted as students as they were both enrolled in seminary. They were married in August of 1976. Jonathan Clark was born in 1982. In preparing to share just a little bit of my genealogy and to look back at some of my extended family members, there were stories I heard this week that I'd never heard before. I found myself pondering, what if one detail of one of these people's stories would have been different? Would my life have been drastically different? Would I have existed at all? Like Joseph, we all come from complicated and complex family lines. Like Joseph, we are asked how we will respond to the news of Jesus coming. Joseph was part of this line of God's chosen people, but now it was his turn to give his yes. What about you? What about me? What is our response to the call of the Lord this morning? As we conclude Advent, the Lord asks us if we, like Joseph, will welcome the Lord Jesus into the home of our hearts this year. May our answer be like his. Amen.